I will raise him up, and I will raise him up, and I will raise him up on the last day. No, Will, this isn't the VeggieTales episode. Oh, oh. That was that was last week for the Patreon oh, subscribers. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I made that mistake. Ugh. Sorry, Lucas, you're right. I, uh, You know, I just, I had, maybe, I guess I just had that old, that old hymn bouncing around in my head thinking about what we're going to be talking about today on Elwood City Limits, uh, the episodic Arthur podcast. But you're right. Gosh, uh, why am I thinking about uh, Christ- Christian uh, songbook hymns here when we should be talking about, uh, well, I was going to say the furthest thing from that, but eh, yeah, you know, uh, Arthur. There and- is some kind of songbooky. There's there's some weird songs in this episode, but we'll get into it. You're right. There are songs at, at all, which is a little bit unusual, but you're right. We are going to talk about it in full here on this the final episode of Arthur season 19 that we are going to be covering and uh, we're going to be we'll be getting into all of that but of course want to get into a couple of other things first before we get started here um first off right off the top before I forget I want to say a shout out to another uh, Halifax based podcast the void podcast you can check them out on YouTube thanks a lot for the mention in your recent episode guys and good luck on your podcasting journey they're, uh, they, they've they uh, been going for a couple of years now, and uh, yeah, best of luck to you, and thanks a lot for the mention. Now let's head on over to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com for a couple of emails before we get into the episode proper. Our first one is from a new emailer, uh, Garrison K. No, not I don't think it's Garrison Keeler, but uh, well, you never know. Hello, Will and Lucas. I found Elwood City Limits on Spotify this past fall during my second last semester of college, and months later, I am on episode 131. This is one of my all-time favorite episode pairings. Curse of the Greaves and Arthur switches gears. One of my favorite details is the real-life Red Sox references. The Greaves player missing a ground ball, allowing the Kings to tie the series, references Bill Buckner missing the World Series, clinching out in 1986, leading to the Red Sox losing to the Mets. I believe the game where Buster and Harry see the crosswires leaving, in which Kings player Mucky Flint hits a game-winning home run, is another reference to Aaron Boone walking off the Red Sox in 2003 to send the Yankees to the World Series. This episode made me think for sure Elwood City was a Boston parallel, so I was surprised to find out it is meant to be in Philadelphia. The idea of introducing kids to the theatrics of sports fandom is awesome to me. Being a Milwaukee Bucks fan, I experience heartbreak Ooh. at the foot of Lucas's Raptors in an incredibly <laughs> sus series, but Giannis re- redeemed himself by winning their first championship in 50 years. I climbed a traffic light and sat on top watching the masses flow through the streets celebrating. This is this is great. Um, Lucas, you're you're into a, a few sports. I am certainly well, not. But this but this is like the baseball references. These are these are perspectives we don't always have. I got to say he's kind of kicking me when I'm down about the Raptors. Sure we beat uh the Bucks in that series to when we went on to win the championship, but the Raptors are really really just wretched right now. <laughs> uh, and you still have Giannis on the Bucks. So uh, listen, we might have won the battle, but we're certainly losing the war right now. So, uh, but yeah, that's wonderful. And w- neither you or I will are big 
uh, Boston Red Sox guys. So no, it, it's it's interesting to have that context for that episode. You know, there's all this stuff in these Arthur episodes, often these pop culture references for stuff that maybe me and you would be as acquainted with. We we miss. So that's great context. Yes, absolutely. Thanks a lot for that, uh, Garrison. Garrison continues, My older brother and I grew up watching Arthur almost every day during our childhood growing up in suburban Wisconsin. I never noticed all of the Wisconsin references throughout the show. One of the kids mentioned in the contest episode was from Kewaskum, Wisconsin, uh, which is one town over from mine. Seeing that in an Arthur episode as a kid was mind-blowing. We never had cable growing up, so PBS Kids was our go-to. Throughout the years, we saw the shows around Arthur in the lineup change, but Arthur always stayed. I feel season 10 of Arthur is one of the greatest of them all, but afterwards the show was not quite the same. I don't think I could pick out an all-time favorite episode, but some would include My Music Rules and That's a Baby Show, Elwood City Turns 100, Buster's Back, The Ballad of Buster Baxter, The Return of the King, DW the Picky Eater, Buster and the Daredevils, The Contest, and DW's Time Trouble. I've enjoyed listening to this podcast, and I've checked out some of the previews of For the Kids on Spotify, which I'm definitely intrigued by. I enjoy your commentary on the show, and it's great to know that Arthur had an impact on so many other people. My favorite part about listening to the podcast is coming across episodes I had previously forgotten about, while typing this email, I'm listening to episode 132, and Unfinished is one of those hidden gems, in my opinion. One gripe I have with you two is your commentary on Arthur's Perfect Christmas. I am definitely biased when it comes to this special. My family still owns a clamshell VHS copy, and we used to watch it before Christmas every year during my childhood. It is not the best of Arthur, but I still enjoy it for nostalgia. Sorry for the length of this email. I have a lot of suppressed Arthur opinions from over the years. I'm almost dreading catching up on the backlog because I won't have a seemingly endless supply of ECL content. I'll catch up to you guys in about 80 episodes. Well, Garrison, suppressed Arthur opinions are what we're here for. And we loved, I loved hearing yours. So thank you very much for writing in. Uh, the person from Kewaskum, Wisconsin, in the contest, I'll never forget it. Uh, Lauden Belongia. Like, that's a name that you just don't forget. And we've already had the great fortune of talking to the uh, Holly Holland, who won the contest, and Catherine Dore, who was on uh, Word From Us Kids. I'd love to speak to Laudan Belongia one day. We can certainly hope. Um, and we do have another email from Ashley Hollingsworth. Hey, Will and Lucas, my thoughts on besties? I didn't like this one. I like the concept because it's relatable, but similar to Will, I was turned off by the ending. It felt very rushed, which happens quite often with this show. Hmm. Arthur lying to his friends was wrong, but didn't bother me as much as the nothing ending did. When the episode finished, I said out loud, Is that it? I was disappointed Arthur faced no re repercussions. If you're going to have him lie, then there should be some sort of consequences. Otherwise, he doesn't really learn anything. It's a shame because this would have been a great lesson for kids about how to treat your friends, or at least letting them know feeling sad or jealous when your friend starts hanging out with someone else is normal. But rather than having Arthur work out his feelings, talking it out, or at least having to deal with consequences, he just gets what he wants. Side note, while listening to the pod recently, I came across your Yvonne of the Yukon ECL Origins episode. Being from the States, I had never heard of the show, but the way you guys described it piqued my interest. The show sounded so gross and bizarre, I had to check it out for myself, and boy, you guys weren't wrong. I was left with so many questions. Why is Yvonne always in his underwear? Who is this show really for? It seems a tad too adult for kids. Why is the show so obsessed with bodily functions? That first episode gave me whiplash with all the different characters we meet in a short time. Uh, some bits reminded me of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Can't say if I'll check out another episode, but it was definitely a memorable watch. 
Uh, yeah, if you haven't yet, Lucas and I had a blast on one of our earliest ECL Origins episodes talking about Yvonne of the Yukon, and uh, nothing can quite prepare you for it, is what I will say. Bat- one of my yeah. all-time favorite Patreon-exclusive episodes. Yeah, that was, that was a hoot. Back catalog update, I'm all caught up. It's been a wild ride from the early days of trying to figure out Elwood City's location to your third silent co-host, Mike. And of course, the ever-looming animal hierarchy, and I've enjoyed myself every single minute. Can't wait to continue the Arthur journey with you guys. I know we're not too far off from the end of the series, but there's still a lot of Arthur to cover. Looking forward to it. Also, thank you for taking the time to read my emails. It always makes my day. And thank you for sending them, Ashley. We appreciate hearing from you. And thank you to Garrison as well. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you'd like to send in your emails for us to read on the air or to not read on the air. We can also do that too. Now, we mentioned the Patreon, patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. Uh, patrons, of course, have access to our latest episode of For the Kids, where indeed, as I had a little bit of a brain fart there, that's when we talked about VeggieTales. And uh, I've been seeing a bit more VeggieTales content crop up here and there. I don't know, maybe it's just recency bias or something like that, but I just feel like I'm seeing more VeggieTales in my life than I've ever seen before after recording that episode. But, uh, I mean, that's a good thing, though. I, I, I mean, if you want to hear our full thoughts, then head on over, patreon.com slash Limits and support us over there, much like our patrons, including Light Relentless and Joe Sue, Jake Bailey, William Moore and Sierra S, people like Hannah Lee and Lawrence, people like Emmy the Ghost and Kevizard Edits, people like Anthony Williams and Alex K. A big thank you to people like Katie P and Emma and Ash and Chloe. I'm I'm doing this off of an Excel spreadsheet as I look at it. Thank you to Crimson Vision and Scott Ripley. And thank you to Purple Stars 2006. And thank you to our newest patrons. That would be Aaron L. and Ashmita. Welcome to the Patreon. And thank you. Patreon.com slash Limits. This is it. This is the season finale of season 19. And it is one big episode. No separation here. And it's just called, as I sung earlier... The Last Day. We're talking about the last day of school. The Arthur gang are five days away from the last day of school. And we start this off. Buster finds something in his jeans. Finds an old cheese sandwich from the first day of third grade. So, ten months ago, or give or take. In fact, this this sandwich is part of many throwback references that we get in this episode, because Buster remembers when he put the sandwich in his pocket. It was from the first day of third grade, and we even get Arthur and Buster doing a little bit of rat burn, rat burn, rat burn. And I was th- I was thinking about that recently. It's so funny that they brought it up here again, because, I don't know, sometimes just little things from very early Arthur get stuck in my head. And that is true to that episode. In this, these first three minutes where we're kind of taking a trip down memory lane, a couple of things become apparent. That this episode's all about kind of the last day of third grade. Sort of Arthur's take on Days of Confused, if you will. 
Um, and it, I was also worried during this opening scene that it was going to be a bottle episode that we were just going to be like, Hey, remember when we did this? Remember when we do that? But they don't get too indulgent. They kind of have, uh, kind of three vignettes, you know, Buster putting the sandwich in the rapper and rapper. Um, this moment, which I can't remember if this actually happened or if we're being introduced to this, uh, Muffy being worried that she wasn't going to be in the same class as Francine. That's original for this episode, correct? Yes, that 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 definitely is. So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that in I believe it was the last season before we began with Flash animation. Do you remember there was an episode where they used old clips from Arthur because this is when it was still being animated sort of by hand. It was being like digitally colored or some such and they used old footage and it was like oh no that looks so much better don't 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 show the old stuff it looks so good because it's like you know Mm. re like especially the first season had a much bigger budget so the animation still for the most part looks really good uh i call that i've dubbed this in a previous episode the matrix resurrections effect that's right where when i'm watching a new thing it's going to be fine. I'm not going to compare it to the old thing unless you directly show me the old thing, which looks infinitely better. And then you're, you know, draw, you're encouraging me to draw such comparisons. So they can't exactly do that same thing because I, I wonder, this might be a peeps question, actually. I don't know if they would have access to the old footage or maybe they just wouldn't want to put it next to what is demonstrably different looking uh, footage that they have right now. So they just recreate it, but they, you know, they do their, their best, or at least they create new situations in older episodes, like with flashing back to Arthur and Buster doing the Ratburn thing. Um, Muffy here. Yeah. She was afraid Francine wouldn't be in the same class as her. She tries to bribe Mr. Haney with a gold watch, but turns out that they are in the same class, which is, Ratburn's class. We do get a slight slight uh continuity error with this one. Uh we do see the list with everybody's name on it, and Sue Ellen's name is on the list, even though she was not in Mr. Ratburn's class from the beginning. She was a new arrival. Wow. I really hope someone gets fired. We heads <laughs> need to roll. Um, but yeah, it's you know, very, very minor. I'm not holding anybody's feet to the fire with that one. So the kids are going to be moving on from third grade. DW and Bud are have their last day at preschool, and they're going to be on their way to kindergarten, which is a little bit intimidating for the both of them, especially because they don't feel like they may not be smart enough to go into kindergarten. So what they do is they're going to imitate their older siblings, which we get Bud in this episode. We really don't get very much LaDonna at all. It's mostly Bud. They decide to imitate Arthur and LaDonna in the different ways of uh, being older in terms of going forward in school. Now we're gonna return to we're gonna return to this one later. This is one of the many plot points here. Now speaking of plot points, we see Arthur and Buster at the Brains Mom's ice cream shop, and who shows up but their potential fourth grade teacher, who is our special guest of the episode. <laughs> so. This is Mr. Cramp, or he prefers to be called Lucas, MC. You know, I'm a pretty uh, egalitarian guy, Will. I believe in restorative justice. Uh, you know, I, I, I want the best for all. I, I, I have love in my heart for my fellow man. Mm-hmm. 
I think old MC here deserves the death penalty <laughs> for being too cringe. That's what the C in, in, in MC stands for is most cringe Arthur character <laughs> of all time. Now, I, I do want to make a distinction here because yes. I was thinking about this the whole time as I was seething with red hot hatred Ooh. for MC. <laughs> so this is like the, there, this is not the, he's not the throwaway character of the week then. Well, okay. So it's an interesting thought experiment. I really don't like Butter LaDonna, but mm-hmm. I don't not like Butt and LaDonna because they're annoying me in kind of like a clever way that's designed to annoy me. Okay. I don't like Butter LaDonna because they're total, they're kind of wastes of space. They don't really do anything or say anything interesting or noteworthy. They just kind of talk in funny accents mm-hmm. and don't have a personality outside of rural charm. So they're pretty limited as characters. True. MC, on the other hand, is a very fleshed out <laughs> character a for little, what he is. A little too fleshed out. A maybe. little too fleshed out. <laughs> and you know what? I gotta hand it to him. He, he, it's it's you know to use a wrestling par- parlance, he's a good heel. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can tell from the jump that I I, I get the feeling. You know, Bud and Ladonna. I think the writers want us to like them. I get the. I have a sneaking suspicion that it, actually the writers hate MC just as much as we do. Uh, and so while he was around, I mean, it would be a different story if if he was overstaying his welcome, and I'd have to deal with him day in and day out, week in and week out on this podcast. But for the one episode we had with him. Uh, I actually really enjoyed having MC around just so I could hate on because he really <laughs> is deplorable. Will he's absolutely despicable. Uh, he might be. I he, he might be the worst. He, he's both the worst and the best uh, that we've seen out of Arthur in a way. Like I, I don't think we've ever had a character quite like this. Uh, and I do like. There's an intentionality with MC where you know. Arthur and Buster, they're quite taken by him right away. Yeah. But I don't think the writers were ever buying into his, for lack of a better term, Bumbo Jumbo. So, okay, I do have a question. I, For me, off the top of my head, and listeners, you may need to fill this in, and feel free to ask if you can think of, uh, I'm thinking of, like, the characters that we've, we've hated the most on this show, and... We've we kind of talk about Ladonna and Bud. I don't think it's full on hate. We just kind of don't really care for them. There's been characters like Muffy and Prunella who we've come around on, but then there's characters like I'm thinking of cousin Cora and Pepe, uh, the the Italian. Um, is he uh, is he an aunt or what? Was anyway, Pepe, he was a flea. The flea. A thank flea. you, Pepe the Italian flea. Yet, yet another embarrassment on my heritage. Right. <laughs> um. But where where does where does MC like rank among those terrible one-off characters that we hate? See, this is the thing about Pepe is I disliked Pepe because I really actually like I legitimately really hated his voice and having to listen to yes. him. And, and though I had fun talking about that with you, Will, if I was watching the TV show again to use another wrestling term, it's X Pac Heat, which Go is away for heat, the, yeah. the those for those not initiated. Uh, it essentially means that, you know, the character is so bad, you don't love to hate them, you just want them off the TV screen, right? That's what Pepe was like. Right. Right now, uh, MC is a, 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 totally 
Oh my god! I I have this. I'm paused at five twenty one right now. I'm just staring <laughs> at his friggin' face, his hair, his beanie, everything about him. Uh, the fact that BJ Novak voices him, right? Which is again almost too perfect. Everything about him is almost too perfect. Where you almost have to respect it at a certain yeah point. Where it's like this is the character they wanted to make. They wanted to have. Uh, for lack of a better term, there's no better term to use this. A 2015 style hipster <laughs> is what this guy is. Yeah, kind of a kind of a dinosaur in today's day and age when you think about it. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, an antiquated kind of stereotype, and he is pitch perfect basically at that role. You know, your your quote unquote cool teacher who doesn't want you to call him mister or whatever and he is it's such a good characterization that you know he's just so hateable but it's not hateable to the extent where i just don't want to see him on my tv screen anymore now had if he is in one more episode my tune will probably change (laughs) but if i i don't foresee them getting bj novak to come back all the time so for now we'll enjoy the brief appearance of MC. Oh my gosh. So I just want the audience to know at home that the whole time I was watching this episode, I was like, everything that this guy says, I didn't even write it. I could write it all down at a certain point because I was just like, this is just probably the worst character we've ever... The the, the most dis- hateable character, rather, we've ever seen on Arthur. See, this is the distinction. Worst would be a character I don't want on the show entirely. I see. No, that's a good distinction. It's like when the young bucks are heel, and you're just like, oh, great, I already don't like them. Now I'm supposed to not like them, um, or at least for me. Okay, so the first thing I want to note about this, Arthur and Buster are talking about the two teachers they could potentially get. They say one of them is Mrs. Frumpus, and then the other one is Miss Grimslid, which was a name of such note that we made it an episode title of one of our earliest podcast episodes uh, Miss Grimslid was in the first season. She was one of the. She she was either like a gym teacher or a coach. Um, in the episode with the with the cootie catcher, um, it was her and that rabbit coach that had like the blonde buzz cut, and he ordered Binky to sing uh, "Eensy Weensy Spider," and. I just never forgot that the other gym teacher's name is Miss Grimslid. So now she's been repackaged. She's no longer a gym teacher. She's like a really hard-to-please, humorless uh, type of homeroom teacher. So that's who they don't want to get. Mr. Cramp is apparently replacing Mrs. Frumpus. Now, Mr. Cramp, MC, is played by, as Lucas said, B.J. Novak, who you probably know from The Office. He was Ryan, and he also wrote for The Office. He's a writer and director of books, children's books, other comedy shows. Uh, You probably know him to look at him. He's an actor in things as well. His character design is very typical of the way that celebrities are on this show when they're meant to play themselves, but he is playing a character, so I have to give that up to B.J. Novak. It's not like, oh, wow, our new fourth-grade teacher, B.J. Novak. It's like, no, he's playing a character. So he's both an animal, but he's kind of not. It's very Matt Damon in that, like, they kind of took B.J. Novak's face, maybe caricatured it a little bit, and then gave him, like, little floppy ears. Like a dog, maybe? I don't know. In a horrible, in a horrible hair and a horrible beanie, right? The so and a, a a a t-shirt for some sort of, 
I don't know if this is a band or a record label, but something called Static Airwaves. So I had to be reminded Static Airwaves were in a previous episode. The episode was called Just the Ticket, and it was a concert that George was trying to get to. So they are an in-universe band. But mm, but you're right. I'm more so, of a binky man myself. And MC, yes, he's got that sweater on. He's got a toque with a lot of hair, and he's got orange khaki shorts, and he rides a razor scooter. This is, this is a grown man, by the way. Like, hey, 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 listen, listen. If you're riding Razor scooters, like, now, cool. Like, whatever. But it's he's also, like, doing this at his job. So, yeah, I also, like, I got to say. D- did I make this up, Will? Yeah. Or did Prime Minister Justin Trudeau famously ride a Razor scooter to a previous job of his back in the day? Was that some sort of news story? This gives... In the same way in his kind of, and I mean this, you know, in a mean way, I don't mean this as a compliment. In the same way in early on his career when he was like a snowboarding instructor, Justin Trudeau gave, turned the the chair around, cool teacher, quote unquote cool teacher vibes. MC does the exact same thing. I mean, look at this guy's cargo shorts. I mean, I will say MC doesn't not look like Justin Trudeau. It, you know, it's it, it, it does, they do a pretty good job of making him look like BJ Novak, but BJ Novak kind of looks like, you know, moderately handsome white guy. And so does Justin mm. Trudeau. So, um, yes. In the, and he he's I didn't write down any of his dialogue either, but it's very like it's like all it refers to like the kids as like potatoes and like very earthy, very hippie ish. I put it here. He's got this laid back Montessori esque teaching style. Where he's like talking to the kids outside, he's hitting yoga poses. It's a very specific type of specific yet general type of guy. So I think 2015 hipster is a good descriptor for maybe what they were going for, uh, Lucas. Uh, he also he knows what Bionic Bunny is, which impresses Arthur and Buster because he uses what apparently is Bionic Bunny's motto: "Long ears, strong heart, clear eyes, full heart, can't lose." Now, now, if uh, if the coach from Friday Night Lights was their gym teacher, that oh, why couldn't we get Kyle Chandler on Arthur? We could have done it. We could have done it, man. Ah, missed opportunity. Anyway, yeah. So MC, they really want MC to be their teacher, and that's that's their motivation going through this. Another story thread that we're following is that Muffy and Francine are getting ready to go to summer camp. Now. Francine assumes they're going to Camp Meadowcroak, which is the camp that they went to in the first season. But Muffy wants to go to Camp Elysium, which is like a rich kid camp for the discriminating child. And Francine is, you know, she puts on a good face, but it's not really something she's super duper interested in. Elysium uh, is a word meaning a place of ideal happiness. It's from Greek mythology, this heaven-like place from Greek mythology. And we see a video of it later. It's like uh, horse stables, uh, talent competitions, uh, like five star uh, uh, food and all that sort of thing. Like a real uh, fuddy duddy rich kid camp. And eh, Francine's not super into it. We this go- is what I wrote down. This yes. is my here's allow me to put on my stand up comedian hat. Oh, well, please. Camp Elysium. Or is Muffy going to a city in the sky with healing pods? I, what, what, what is Francie going to have to put on an exoskeleton? 
Uh, I was, you know, it's been too long since I've seen that movie. So I was like, oh yeah, like the movie. And then I was like, wait, that it actually does mean something. For, no, all, it, for all you those uh, in, the, in the radio land being like, what is Lucas talking about? I'm talking about 2013's Neil Blomkamp box office failure, Elysium. <laughs> <laughs> Which I saw in theaters, Will. And I, I, I think it was one of those movies where I saw it and I was trying to convince myself I liked it, but I oh, really yeah. didn't. It, well, see, I missed that in theaters because I didn't think it looked all that good. But I was a, like, I was in the Neil, I was in Neil Blomkamp's corner uh, after District, after seeing District Nine, and then I think I saw it on DVD with a buddy, and I, I barely remember it. To be honest with you, I like Chappie more than Elysium. I was going to ask, my, my follow-up question was going to be, have you seen Chappie? I have seen Chappie. Uh... I remember liking it. Okay, I I something about Die Antwoord being a chappy. Yeah. I, I avoided that movie like the plague. But it, I've heard people. You're not the first person I've heard to say they like chappy. Now the real question is, Will, did you end up ever seeing Gran Turismo? I actually did. I watched it last Whoa! year with my friends. Whoa! Okay, okay. Sorry, folks at home for this detour. <laughs> but I now this is a secret. Uh, episode of ECL at the movies. I gotta hear what you thought of Gran Turismo. I'm, I'm, I'm at the edge of my seat. Will this is like you're the only human being I've ever met who's seen this movie. So you saw it in theaters? No, 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 no. no. We no, 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 we no. saw okay. we saw it on a um uh, like a we have like a weekly movie night. So uh, somebody's okay. choice was Gran Turismo. Oh man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let me let me let me pull up Letterboxed here. Do I have my phone with me? Uh no I don't okay I'm gonna have to open up open it up on the on the browser uh no okay so I'll be honest with you I didn't really like it I d- I don't remember liking it all that much it wasn't like I didn't hate it which I think I was just very disengaged with it um where is my review so I gave it I gave it one and a half stars. Wow, you really didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. No, it's, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, let me, uh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to have to censor a little bit of this, but um, this is this is from the 10th of October last year. Wow, gee, really? I saw that recently? Man, that, <laughs> if you had asked me, I'd been like, yeah, I, saw, I watched that in like April last year. No, I didn't. It was like a couple months ago. Okay, here's my letterbox review. Not just ungodly boring and relentlessly gray, <laughs> but absolutely shameless in its existence as a two-hour commercial for Sony and auto racing. Manage, <laughs> manages to clear the bar of didn't totally eat but only barely. The person who came wow. up with the word bruv should be shot. <laughs> yeah, wow. so, I, yeah. Gran Turismo came out, uh, I think it was right after Barbieheimer. So I was sort of, here's my experience. I was kind of taken with the magic of cinema. I was like, the movies are back. This was what I was really like, and I'm still like this. I, you know, I almost saw Beekeeper in theaters, Will. I have a sickness. I've heard good things Uh, about Beekeeper. But not in the, Beekeeper is the prototypical DTV movie. Anyway. I ain't driving out uh, to see Beekeeper though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I have a sickness where I'll go see movies I even don't care that much about in the theater. And there was murmurs. People were talking about Gran Turismo for a little bit. And I was like, hmm, Neil Blomkamp. Should mm. I go see 
Gran Turismo, but uh, I haven't yet, and I probably never will. So thank you, Will, for humoring me and allowing me to live vicariously through you. Uh, wow, what an addition of the ECL movie quarter. <laughs> you're totally, you're totally fine to give it a miss. Um, it's yeah, uh, and and I and I have not seen uh, Demonic, his other movie. So that's that's the one I, I, Neil Blomkamp that movie that I'm missing. I just learned just now that Demonic uh, exists, uh, and I will say it's got uh, it. It says received generally negative review from critics, and it's got in my idea of kind of the kiss of death for any film production. Quote filmed amid the COVID nineteen pandemic. So yeah, I don't know about all that. Uh, I can tell you that I think that's another one where you should just watch. Uh, the half in the bag episode of it. Mm, That's okay. pretty much what I did, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm fine. Yeah, Gran Turismo, no, no bueno, no thank you. Hi everybody, it's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice if they aren't on one of those services let us know you can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com finally the patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits this gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, and most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. Anyways, um, we go back to DW and Bud at this point. This is where, and this this took me by surprise, they get a musical number. Now, we did a musical number in the last episode, but that was in a dream that Arthur was having. This is a, like, musical-ass musical number. Uh, it's called Big Kids Song. And this is where they give their observations on Arthur and LaDonna's behavior in this kind of show tune style number that the two of them do. And it's... You know, it's all right. We do hear quite a bit of Bud's voice in this episode, but it's certainly in the song could have been a lot more annoying. And I thought and I thought they both did pretty well. I was not a fan of this song. Uh, I wrote down this song sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of this song. I thought it was grating. I thought it was unarthur like, you know, 
musical numbers for some of these longer Arthur episodes, for some of the movie specials, it's come to be expected. Yeah. Uh, I thought this missed the bar. I thought, no pun intended, I thought it was fairly one note in its writing. They're basically describing what's it like to be a big kid. They're just, like, listing off stuff that Arthur, like, Arthur does homework. Arthur does this. I thought it was grating. I don't think it was catchy. Uh, I was not a fan of the big kid song. I did have to remind myself what the tune of it was. If you want to be a big kid. Yeah, it's not super notable. I wasn't annoyed by it. So I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, it's certainly uh, a way to get to uh, 22 minutes. Uh, And, uh, and, you know, if if you do it every once in a while, it feels a little bit more special. Like I was taken aback when I was like, whoa, uh, song? Okay, all right, we're doing this. And the thing we get from this musical number, from all the things that they do, uh, is that uh, older older kids try to act cool. So they put on sunglasses to try to be just chill about everything. And that's what they think it's going to be like when they go to kindergarten. Back to Arthur and Buster. They want to try and get Mr. Ratburn to put in a good word for them about getting into MC's class. And Mr. Ratburn, now... if. Which- by the way, this is not how it works. No. Like, goodness, no. I don't think people... Aren't people signed classes, like, alphabetically or by raffle? Do, do principals and do uh, school staff actually, like, do this to determine who's going to be in what class? No, I mean, it, de- it doesn't have anything to do with your teachers, I don't think. I, it, I, mm. I imagine it's more of a system closer to, like, what you're saying. Not alphabetically, but, like, you know, there's some kind of, uh, you know... Uh, I mean, well, we do have teachers on this show, so uh, or listening to this show. So, uh, how do you, how do, how are kids sorted into your classes? Is there any input that teachers have? Because Mr. Ratburn says that he, it's out of his hands. He doesn't, he doesn't do it. He also this this episode is secretly like Mr. Ratburn's finest hour, or at least you know the Mr. Ratburn appreciation hour, because he's very diplomatic in the way that he clearly dislikes MC. Uh, you know, Arthur and Buster head over heels about him, and Ratburn says, yes, I've heard Mr. Cramp is very innovative. And just, like, he, Mr. Ratburn, not a rude person, so that was, like, the most amount of shade you're ever likely to get from him about, like, a fellow professional. And so it's, I, I would so love to see like, a comic or just, like, something of, like, these two interacting and Mr. Ratburn realizing very quickly, like, I don't like this man. Well, I, I like that uh, this is where I kind of learned that the writers themselves were in on the joke, mm-hmm. right? Because at first, you know, Buster and Arthur are so taken by MC. I was like, it, it, did the writers task themselves with writing a quote-unquote cool teacher? Uh, and then I realized they're also including the quote-unquote, right? Like, the it, it's... It's, again, intentionally kind of so bad it's good. Uh, and Mr. Ratburn is here to kind of reflect the audience's opinion back on us here, where they're like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he warns uh, Arthur and Buster that first impressions are not everything. So, you know, be be careful about uh, how you might feel about them now versus later. In Muffy and Francine's story, Francine... Uh, well, sorry, I should say first, Muffy says that, you know, if you, if you were at all concerned about Francine being able to go to the rich kids camp, uh, Mr. Crosswire is apparently happy to pay Francine's way to go to Camp Elysium. Uh, Francine has a dream where she's trying to eat lobster dinner and the lobster gets up off the plate and runs away from her. 
And then a herd of lobsters comes after her. I said, I said herd question mark. I don't know what a group of lobsters is called. Maybe I should have looked that up. Um, and one this thing was about like uh, something out of a Brunel film or something like a satirical kind of absurdist take on uh, the bourgeoisie. And Francine can't get away because, as was earlier established with Camp Elysium, there are no mosquitoes at all because Camp Elysium got domed. Uh, they got they got the uh, under the dome dome going on across, so there no mosquitoes can get in. In fact, we see a mosquito fly up and then slide down off the glass, which was not a bad little joke. But so Francine is having nightmares about going to Camp Elysium, so she's really not interested in it. Arthur and Buster want to impress MC, so they make a poster about everything that they learned in third grade. Uh, they come up with a lot of things, and even Buster manages to contribute as well when they talk about just like different science facts and historical uh, happenings that they learned through third grade with Mr. Ratburn. In doing this, DW and Bud try to imitate them in doing homework, and Arthur and Buster uh, laugh them off a little bit. You're not really supposed to do that with kindergarten. Finally, Francine admits that she doesn't want to go to Camp Elysium, which upsets Muffy because they made a pact that they would go to the same summer camp together. Francine wants to go to Meadowcroke. Muffy wants to go to Elysium. And this also upsets her because she uh, says as much that Francine and her don't have as many things in common as they thought. So it's a little bit of a rift situation here. This is another thing where they're looking, uh, Francine has a photo album of their time at Camp Meadowcroke, and we see another character from season one, Counselor Becky, who has gotten a fully new character design. So in the first one, in the first season, Counselor Becky was not much of a character. She was just like an, an adult who wore something akin to like a park ranger uniform, and now Counselor Becky is like a hippie person. They have a mm. they have a picture of her. She's like playing a ukulele. She's got like a, a grass skirt on. And it's just like, oh yeah, she was she was such a hippie. I'm like, okay, well that wasn't her when we met her, but you know, whatever. No, she was she was actually a little bit of a fascist, you know. <laughs> in, 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 uh, uh, was Counselor Becky the one that um Buster was wrapped with guilt no. over stealing the dinosaur fossil. Okay, sim- I'm confusing characters. Similar character. You're thinking of Ranger Ruth. Ranger Ruth. Okay, sorry. Counselor Becky found innocent. Okay. <laughs> R- Ranger Ruth was the one ruling with an iron fist. You know, eye for an eye st- style of kind of outlaw justice. You're going to chop off Buster's hands for stealing that fossil. Counselor Becky when the fascism charge is clear. Um, then we get, I, okay, I, I got to admit, I got a little teary eyed at this one. Mr. Ratburn with all the kids assembled in class, he gives them a formal goodbye. He says that pretty, pretty simple, just that he enjoyed teaching them so much. He enjoyed seeing them learn and he is going to miss them when they go off on their learning adventure. And as something that I've, I've said before that there are many Arthur episodes you can take to be the last episode if you want to like if you like there are so many that they've done where it's like if you want that to be the series finale you could consider it that and i think this one counts as well because it literally is them moving from the third grade to the fourth grade and you could see this as mr ratburn's goodbye and it's i i, I was touched by it a little bit 
be, just because yeah this is has been an important relationship for the entire for the entire show is the teacher student relationship and being able to put a bow on it like this was really nice well, I actually – I totally agree with you, Will. Mr. Rapper's speech, I actually it, – it, it's a really difficult kind of thread to cross because you don't want to be too earnest and too saccharine mm-hmm. that it gets into, like, after-school special territory. But I thought – they uh, kind of executed it really perfectly where it's just the right amount of earnesty where it doesn't feel preachy. You know, Mr. Rappert isn't saying anything that's not 100% true. Uh, And you kind of get some uh, insight into Mr. Rappert's methodology that we have yet to see in this series where he's talking about, you know, he was hard on them because he expects great things from them. And I, I thought this was... Now... My criticism is they probably should have ended the episode here. Right. Because then the kids go into a song that's literally like, thank you, Mr. Rapper. And I was, my, my mind flashed to the episode of SNL where they sang that song to Hillary Clinton. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or no, was it, who, was it, uh, Obama? There was like a thank you, Mr. President song on SNL that, you know, SNL, supposed to be funny yeah there was no jokes to be had here it was just pure there there was that time that kate mckinnon uh sang hallelujah in the hillary clinton costume after she lost it, something like that is what i'm thinking of uh and this reminded me of that which is not a good thing um and so i i really this this excellent moment that feels so arthur uh with mr rapper kind of wishing the kids goodbye to me kind of got squandered a little bit because we get this really i thought terrible song that is it's not a good song in a vacuum first and foremost it's kind of grating and then secondly it's just it feels kind of unearned and overly overly saccharine and overly earnest everything that that moment before wasn't so Mm. that kind of annoyed me okay well we'll get to that in a little bit i i don't know i don't know if i agree if i agree though um back in dw story uh Mom asks Arthur to take the garbage out, but DW, since she's a big kid now, she can do it. So she drags the garbage outside. It The garbage bag snags on something, and it all comes pouring out. And in a very, like, realistic kid situation, DW just starts crying. And I really <laughs> related to her. She was so overwhelmed. And I've just been like, listen, I haven't cried when taking the garbage out, but I felt like it, you know? <laughs> uh, this I think we all still have those moments, no matter what age we are. And mom comforts her and she realizes that she doesn't have to do to be a different person going to kindergarten. She just has to be herself, which is you know kind of a simple lesson to learn. But whatever, it's fine. She tells this to Bud over the phone. Bud's whole thing through this whole his running joke is that he could, he can't get the L.M.N.O.P. part of the alphabet song correctly. He, uh, you know, he keeps saying L.M.N.L.P. or whatever it is, and then he finally gets it right while they're on the phone. So he is learning something, and they're going, they're going to kindergarten, and they just have to be themselves. Muffy finally decides, after a little bit of thinking, to go to Camp Meadow Croak, but Francine convinces her to go to, as she calls it, Camp Asylum instead of Elysium, but that they should go to their own summer camps that they want to go to. And the way that they can be together is that Francine creates a blog that both of them have the password to. And the blog is called the separate adventures of inseparable friends. 
So this is like the mid, early, mid 2010s. Uh, you know, if, if this were a few years later, they would just have a Twitter account together probably or an, inst- mm. an Instagram, although they're too young for Instagram. Too young for Twitter, too, really. So, you know, we we, we kind of do the blog here, and they're, that's how they're going to update each other on how their summers are going. So, like, a, a neat little way, a neat little modern way for them to come to a compromise. Here we get to this moment, Lucas, that you were just talking about. So, in Mr. Ratburn talking about how he was, he was tough on his students because he wants them to be prepared and he expects great things from them, Arthur and Buster, the scales kind of fall from their eyes with MC. They see that he doesn't have a whole lot of new things to say. They see him saying the same thing to other kids and they're just like, oh, that's kind of all he's got. Like, Brain, brain really gets over him quickly. Binky gets over him. Arthur and Buster get over him as well. And they realize that they're going to miss Mr. Ratburn a lot. So they end up presenting the poster they were going to give MC to Mr. Ratburn, and they assemble the kids to sing a song for him. It's called Dear Mr. Ratburn. Um, so you, were, you weren't crazy about this moment. I, I kind of hated it. I thought it, wow. I, it, I, I thought it was... Uh, it did, to me, it didn't feel like Arthur. I feel like... Uh, I I just don't see these characters all standing up and then singing Dear Mr. Rappern. I feel like the moment with Mr. Rappern explaining his methodology, you know, telling the kids that he was all proud of them and kind of the kids really recognizing it and appreciating it, I think that was the perfect note to end this episode on. Mm-hmm. The, ter- the kids then all kind of very plainly singing, in turn, Oh, Mr. Rappern, we liked you for all this stuff. I, I, I thought wrong a little bit hollow and it felt like they were kind of beating me over the head with it. Hmm. I actually, I mean, I liked it. I, I, I think that I agree with you that the moment of him saying goodbye made me feel a bit more emotion. This, you didn't, I, I would say maybe dear Mr. Ratburn, you don't need this, but it's also, I think the conceit that this is a kid's show and it's, I think this is a fine way to broadly wrap it up because I think that the emotion that Mr. Ratburn is feeling, it goes over the kids' heads a little bit. They have to deal with it a little bit to kind of figure out how they feel. And then once they do, it's a much more um, like anybody can understand what they're saying because they're literally saying how they f- they're singing how they feel out loud. So, yeah, it's not as nuanced as the original scene is, but I was I was fine with this. And it was a nice way to have the kids understand, you know, like an Oh Captain, My Captain moment where they finally understand the good that Mr. Ratburn did for them. And it was nice for them to be able to come to that as much as Mr. Ratburn was able to say, I am going to miss you. So I I, I, I liked it. I'm sorry. I, I uh, it's, uh, it's too bad it didn't work for both of us, but that's okay. I, I see where you're coming from with it. But we get a little bit of a swerve here. Uh, Mr. Ratburn, uh, he has to dab away a tear. He says, that was impressive. A bit pitchy in spots. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Ratburn reveals, like, MC comes into the class, and he says he has decided MC has that he is not going to be teaching fourth grade. He's going to be teaching third grade because younger minds are better for molding or something like that, which means that Mr. Ratburn is going to be teaching fourth grade, which the kids are very excited about. There's a little moment here. So Binky was... He wasn't necessarily front and center of this episode, but he did have a couple of lines, and he was playing the clarinet during the song. And 
This one also struck me in a way that made me feel good, where Binky, Mr. Ratburn announces that he's going to be teaching fourth grade, and Binky, who we know has had to repeat the third grade, goes, woohoo, that means I passed. And it's, I thought that was really nice that they added that That's in. actually a massive moment in the Arthur continuity. Yeah. And I, it makes me, I mean, not to get ahead of our discussion about the end of the episode and what it all means, but I, I, this episode is interesting for all the questions it puts into play for the rest of Arthur. You know, will they be in the fourth grade in canon? Will it be acknowledged that Biggie has finally completed the third grade and all that stuff? So, of course, uh, there is a sequel to this episode. We do see the first day of fourth grade. In 2021, they released the Arthur's First Day, which is the one-hour TV special about the first day of fourth grade. It has Mr. Ratburn and Miss Grimslid as the teachers. And if you want to hear our thoughts about it, well, that is available on our YouTube. It's also available on the free feed. We did an ECL flash forward episode about it. We kind of just talked about what we thought about it. It's it, We didn't go through it like we did with this episode. We didn't do a commentary on it, surprisingly. But we did a little bit of a... Because we were on the air when this premiered. So we watched it and we gave our thoughts about it. So if you would like to hear our short form thoughts... We posted that in September 2021. It is available on our YouTube, and it is on our uh, free feed as well. So you can check that out. I just want to see if we did a commentary about it. I'll, 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 I'll check that at a certain point and get back to you. Anyway, the last note about this episode is that it does end with, so we get a card at the end of like BJ Novak as MC, special guest. And we get another one that this episode is in memory of Greg Kramer, who was the voice actor for Nemo. So unfortunately, Greg Kramer did pass away in 2013. Greg Kramer was a Canadian actor, writer, director, and he was a magician. He worked for the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. He directed a lot of plays. He was also an actor in movies and TV. He was the voice of Nemo, which we've said many times uh, we, we, we enjoyed, we always enjoyed the oily way in which Nemo kind of skulked around. And I thought his voice, me especially, yeah. yeah, I thought his voice added a lot to that character. And in 2013, Greg Kramer passed away at age 52. He was HIV positive and he had also previously dealt with lung cancer. So rest in peace to, and thank you to Greg Kramer. So this was a way to remember him here. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. It's the rare word from us kids that comes at the very end of the episode. We, I think we've done this a couple of times, but uh, yeah, this was Jasira in her second grade class. Imagine what their perfect teacher would be like. So they make a bunch of drawings about what their perfect teacher would be. We get some real like cryptids for teachers and I was just gonna say so I actually didn't watch this because uh I didn't realize I thought oh the words for us kids isn't in the in the middle so I clicked away from the video before <laughs> seeing this I'm watching it right now with the sound off and some of these teachers this woman seems to have some sort of chainsaw for a tail I'm seeing you know you mentioned cryptids there's a slender man-esque mm -hmm. teacher which I feel like is pretty accurate to 
If you asked, when would Slender Man? I feel like kids in 2015 literally would be like, I wish Slender Man was my teacher. <laughs> um, nowadays, nowadays, well, you know what I'm going to say. You know who the kids want to be their teacher today in today's day and age? Tell me. It's the skibbity toilets. Oh, the skibbity toilets. Want... You know what? I, I didn't bring this up the last time, but a couple weeks ago, like... There's like a there's like a you know skibbity toilet mega collection on YouTube that has like all seventy episodes in it or something. I watched right. a, I watched a bit of it. Like I, whoa, okay, wow. Uh, Lucas and, and Will's movie corner returns because skibbity toilets really do be a movie. Um, <laughs> I'm very I'm once again incredibly interested in hearing your thoughts, Will, on the skibbity toilets phenomenon. I just think it's really really interesting. First of all, that the skibbity toilets, like the music they use, is a total earworm. And now that I've said skibbity toilets, it's in my head again, and I will never be able to get it to leave. So I get in that way why it's you know attractive to kids. It's just really funny to see G mod used in such a such a strange way that doesn't explain itself like it's such a i i it's it's funny i've seen people around my age being like oh this is rotting children's brains they're just like the stuff we watched when we were young wasn't wasn't that sophisticated either it's like it was at skibbity toilet or sometimes even lower especially like the old internet stuff like you can't tell me that you know badger 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 is any more intellectually stimulating than skibbity toilets i mean skibbity toilets actually has like a storyline like there's stuff going on there so definitely i can see why especially young minds are attracted mm. to it it's a little bit i wouldn't say hard to follow but it's like after a while i'm just like okay this isn't doing anything for me it's a bit simplistic, but that's okay. Like, it's totally not for me, but it's also like, I, I'm really glad that it exists in a way. It's just, mm, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's the, it's, I, I guess like a, a, a silly Saturday morning cartoon for the internet age. I, 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 guess. I would say that, um, man, I, this is my skibbity toilets corner. Uh, allow me, Will. <laughs> I know we're going long to have my skibbity oh, no, toilet soap docs. Because I've thought about, as someone who, you know, spends week in and weekend out talking about a children's show, I, th I think about children's media a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I've kept up with all of Skibbity Toilets, believe it or not. Oh, really? Because I think it actually is a pretty fascinating insight into the younger generation, Gen Alpha. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of things at play here. So for one, you're right that the absurd nature of it, it's designed for us to not even understand, right? I, th I think about my parents and showing my parents, like, I don't know, I'm a fire in my laser shoot de whoop <laughs> themes and how they must have felt when I'm like, don't you get it? It's so funny. Absolutely. It's so weird. Or, or, or like Charlie the Unicorn or something like that. Um, but the other thing is it's kind of the first serial, serialized story being told with TikTok as the primary medium. Yeah. So one of the things you highlighted was that, you know, it's got this catchy song. And, you know, as it became more popular and as it kept going, it relies on that song less and less, pretty much because I think uh, the guy who makes Skibbity Toilets does not have the copyright for that song. So as the thing became more and more successful, I think he tried to downplay that song. Yes. Um, but... It, it was a serialized kind of episodic, or not episodic, but a serialized story told with TikTok as the main medium. And as Marshall McClure says, Will, the medium is the message. So that is something unique about it. The other thing I will say is it gets, it, 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 it's funny, Skibbity Toilets, I believe the guy who makes Skibbity Toilets is somewhere in Eastern Europe, okay? Imagine, yeah. And as certain geopolitical 
events started to unfold, Skibbity Toilets got more and more violent. Uh, hmm. And it became... Right now in Skibbity Toilets, it's kind of this, like, ho- war. Like, it's kind of become a horror-slash-war series. Yeah. Uh, and I think it makes sense to me that kids have a fascination with it in the same way you said that kids have a fascination to Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes, because definitely. Because if you're seven and you're seeing kind of these violent images, you know, and I'm not pearl-clutching here. I'm saying, you know, the cameras and the toilets are killing each other and shooting each other. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the early is- ones end with, like, one of the toilets lunging at the screen. Like, yeah, yeah. Five Nights and, at Freddy's style almost. And I'm not saying that this is inherently bad. I'm merely saying it is by definition kind of violent. If you're a seven-year-old, it's probably the most shocking kind of harrowing thing you've ever seen in your life, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's kind of probably most seven-year-olds' first exposure to a depiction of open warfare. And if you look at the comments of these Skibbity Toilets videos... There, there's a lot of, like, earnest praise. Like, these kids are entranced. They love the lore. Mm-hmm. They love the idea that, you know, characters keep showing up and they're more powerful. Kind of like the anime I used to like when I was a kid. Yes, They're yeah. talking about, this toilet has this power and this cameraman has this power. I can't believe this cameraman could do this. And so there's these elements where it's kind of a perfect storm to encapsulate the the jet alpha mind you know they feel like it's just for them because parents just don't get it it's it's kind of this viral sensation because it's designed for tiktok and it's kind of a lot of kids first exposure to more serious topics uh in media warfare and and in a way genocide the toilets are doing a genocide of the cameras the cameras are doing a genocide of the toilets but there is someone much smarter than me can uh, draw some comparisons to the fact that the guy who makes Skibbity Toilets is somewhere in Eastern Europe. And right when the war in Ukraine broke out, Skibbity Toilets got way more real mm-hmm. and like gnarly and continues to be pretty real and gnarly to this day. So, you know, art imitates life. Is the Skibbity Toilet, you know, all of us will? Is it a reflection of our, our sick society at the end of the day? Uh, much to think about. <laughs> oh, sure. But, I mean, like, you talk about kind of how it got heavier content-wise as it went on, so to, in, in a way. But, I mean, when I, when I was a kid, a lot of the shows that I liked were about toys getting in wars with other toys. And and, and this is not, it hasn't, I don't think it's been uh, uh, necessarily merchandised yet, but I have seen, like, live action skibbity toilets like performances with like kids doing the dance and stuff like that so it doesn't feel all that different to me and i just think it's weird in a way that we who are older don't understand it we're not really supposed to anymore so it was it was neat to kind of duck in and be like okay that's what it is when you say skibbity toilet and i and i kind of do get it it's just that, like, I don't have the energy to kind of get invested in it. So, yeah, I think it was a really neat. I think I I, I like it. I think it's I think it's really neat, and it's and I like that it's not for me. One of the kids draws Miss Tumbleweed, who looks terrifying, like a gigantic brown, sl- yeah, like you said, Slenderman ish character. Uh, one of the one of these epic bacon Reddit kids makes Sir Dino Pirates, just like oh radical extreme dinosaurs out here and then the end uh one of the kids makes mr porcupine and he says i think mr porcupine is cool but i wouldn't want to give him a high five i thought that was was legitimately funny kid the teacher for this class mrs o'connell 
uh, dresses up in outfits like the drawings they make. And then the kids have a round of applause because they love Mrs. O'Connell. This is the first teacher in one of these segments in a while that is not close to our age. This is like an older lady. And I was just like, okay. So not all the teachers are going to be like, oh, yeah, you're they're your age or younger. <laughs> there are still some old teachers out there. And there it is, the the last day. And that is the last episode of Arthur Season 19. So, Lucas, what did you think of the latest double episode here? I'm torn. I always like the double episode format, and I like that they've been pretty consistent now, you know, treating the last episode of a season like a season finale. It's a, it's a little validating, Will, because sometimes we're <laughs> like, dang, we're the experts in the baby show. And when they, when they kind of give the final episode a little bit more weight by making it a double episode, I'm like, no, 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 it's not a baby show. It's actually serious television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I uh, found this episode pretty exciting you know, the big moments. They're finally finishing third grade. Binky's finally finished third grade. And I actually thought it was really shocking when it seemed like we were going to say goodbye to Mr. Rapper. And I don't know who I was fooling, but <laughs> it is a little bit of a bait and switch with the end. And it makes it kind of feel like, I, I, I don't know. It, this isn't the show that Arthur is. You know, it's like The Simpsons. It's never really going to change this much, but... I'm of the opinion that it's far more exciting to see a whole new season where it's like, what if they actually did have a different teacher? Yes. And it totally recontextualizes Mr. Rappard as a character. Think about how much more exciting you'd be, it'd be when Mr. Rappard showed up. Uh, I think it, it gives them more interesting new stories to tell. You know, we've been starting to rehash episodes. Um, and I, I recognize that that's a problem with me, not with the show, because... Arthur's like Pokemon, you know, your favorite season of Arthur's probably the first one you watch, just like your mm-hmm. favorite Pokemon game is probably the first one you played. True. So it's not designed to be consumed in this way that me and you are consuming it. That being said, you know, if 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 I was tasked with making Arthur as engaging for me and you as possible, the decision I would make would 100% to be, okay, no more Mr. Rapper as their teacher, right? Yes. Because I just, I, it's hard not to think about the how exciting the stories could become. Instead, they tease me with it, and then they take it away. <laughs> and after Mr. Rapper has this big speech about how, you, you know, why he's teaching them and so strict, then we get this, again, this song that I, I thought was, like, a little bit overly sentimental and I'm like, okay, and it was all for nothing because <laughs> we're just going to be back with Mr. Rapper next. Yeah. So, you know, I'm almost laughing at myself here because it's a silly thing to complain. Besides that, like the actual beats of the episode, um, I thought that the DW subplot was really lame. Yeah. I, I don't really, I don't mm-hmm. care about D- big, I mean, big implications. I'm really excited to see what's it like to see a DW in actual, not preschool, like DW in actual kindergarten. How different will it be? You know, are they going to keep that going in the, the ongoing seasons? That's exciting. That's basically my takeaway from this whole episode is it was more of kind of an exciting setup for the future of what might be rather than enjoying the episode for itself. Like, I feel like I've already kind of forgotten this episode, especially compared to some of the two-parter ones. Um, and I don't see it as, as one I would be likely to return to or recommend to someone else. Um Sounds like I really didn't like it, but I don't know. I, I had a mostly good time. Maybe I just got caught up in what it might be. Mm. What did you think, Will? What could have been. 
I liked it. I did like it. I, you know, didn't love it or anything like that. But I would say that, um, yeah, the double the double Arthur episodes generally deliver, I would say. And this one, I, I think, is pretty solid, especially when you compare it with some of the lower parts of the season. Uh, but there is definitely a hierarchy to the stories, like you said. The DW and Bud one, eh. There were a couple of moments where I thought, like, DW getting overwhelmed by the garbage was like, yes, I've been there. So I appreciate that. Um Francine and Muffy, uh, yeah, that also didn't, wasn't all that compelling. I thought the jokes about Camp Elysium and their final, uh, the the blog, were good ideas. So I appreciated that. Uh, and the Arthur and Buster thing and Mr. Rapper, and I think was obviously like my favorite part of it, and MC. Because I just think it was a really funny decision mm. to make that kind of a character. Like you said, a character you're kind of meant to not like, uh, even though Arthur and Buster start out liking him. In service of making you realize, and the characters realize, just how great Mr. Ratburn was. Now, I do agree with you that having them do the song and then immediately being like, LOL, JK, see you next year, is a little cheap. So, they cheaped out there a little bit. But it was really nice to be able to put a bow on this relationship in a way. Now, obviously, they're still going to see more of each other. And we get an episode after this. So, uh, like, after this in this kind of sequential time. So, but I still had a pretty good time with it. Um, I wasn't as down on the songs as you are. I'm not, I don't think that they're necessarily great. But it was an interesting way to kind of liven it up. Like in the Elwood City Turns 100 episode. Just putting a couple songs in there helps to keep the flow going with these longer episodes. Um, Because you don't realize until you're watching it. It's just like, wow. Not separating an Arthur episode into two stories, you get used to that. And then once they lengthen it out, it's just like, whoa, man, this is going. It does feel like it goes quite a bit longer, even though it is the same from from top to bottom uh, lengthwise. So I, I, I did like it. And it was a good way, I think, to see this off. Now, I did look it up. We all we so as I mentioned before, the last day then goes into the first day, which is the one-hour Arthur special that is the first day of fourth grade and the first day of kindergarten for Arthur and DW. We only did that kind of quick review of it. We've not talked about it, uh, you know, as an Arthur episode. And I realize that's the one Arthur special we haven't done a commentary for. Whoa. So I think now more than ever... We are equipped to do a commentary on this because we've seen everything that happens directly for it before it. So I'm not I'm not gonna give a date on when we're gonna do that, but before all said and done, we got one more commentary in us for sure. One more Arthur commentary in us. So Woo-hoo! be on the lookout for that this year. The uh, the first day commentary, and I can't be- I can't believe I didn't realize we had- we didn't do anything about that. So we're definitely gonna see about that. But yeah, that's the end of Arthur Season 19. As with the end of all of Arthur Seasons here on ECL, it's going to be time for us to get into our recap very soon. Our season recap episode as we leave one season and go into a new one. And folks, Season 20, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. There's going to be a lot of changes in Arthur, which is going to lead to changes on the show that we're doing here. So I'm really excited to get into all of that. We're going to have to wait a little bit for it, though. So 
Here's what we got going on. Coming up next, we have got our season 19 recap, where, of course, we're going to give our top five episodes of the season and our feelings on the season that was. Then over on Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits at the end of February, it's time once again for ECL Origins. And as I revealed on the last episode, we're going with something that Lucas knows a lot more about than I do. No, no, no. It's not Skibbity Toilets. It's the amazing world of Gumball. We're going to be talking all about that at the end of February, which I'm really looking forward to. I don't know anything about this show. I'm not even sure. Is the main character name, is is his name Gumball? Is, is, that, is that who that is? That's going to be the first mystery we unlock on that Patreon-exclusive episode. Okay, there we go. And then we are going to be getting into Elwood City Limits and Arthur Season 20. We're going to be starting it off with the first episode of Season 20, Buster's Second Chance and Arthur and the Whole Truth. That is going to be a front-loaded episode for sure. There is so much news to talk about. So much is going to change. Like, I have, I've already done my notes for the beginning, and it's like, <laughs> it's it's as long as some Arthur episodes we've talked about this season. So, Lucas, I definitely want you there for that. We're just going to have to play around our schedules a little bit, so you won't be hearing the new ECL for a few weeks. But we do have more cool stuff coming up in the pipeline, including our season recap and our new ECL Origins episode, which you will hear a preview of on the free feed. Thank you so much for joining us through 19 seasons of Arthur and counting. Sometimes I put season finale on the socials and it freaks people out. Is ECL ending? No, we're just going on to the next season. And things are going to be changing quite a bit. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Lobsters aren't allowed outside the dining room. We'll see you next time. Skibbity-dum-dum-dum, yes, yes. Skibbity-dum-dum-dum, nip, nip.